Welcome to the Crushing Cashflow Podcast, where we share phenomenal advice and dozens of decades of wisdom from investors and entrepreneurs of all types and all stages of their journeys. We'll cover many forms of cash flowing assets, such as real estate, stock investing, entrepreneurship, and general finance guidance. Listen in and learn from those who are crushing it out there, as well as those who have been crushed by business or their investments. Now, here's your host, Andrew Shutsky. Welcome back to another episode of Crushing Cashflow. I've got a special guest today, Miss Whitney Elkins Hutton. Sorry for the pronunciation. Welcome right. to the show. I just you tried to get what? that right. You just talked about it being I know. Weird. I tripped myself up on that one. So welcome to the show, Whitney. Thanks so much for coming. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. Awesome. Awesome. So a little bit about Whitney's background. She's a director of investor education at PassiveInvesting.com, big time firm and a partner in over $700 million in real estate, including over 5,000 residential units, really impressive portfolio, including multifamily, some other holdings, assisted living, single family rentals, and over 1,400 self-storage units across eight states, and experience flipping over $3 million of residential real estate. So quite a diverse portfolio, lots of experience, lots of diversity there. So welcome to the show again, Whitney. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah. Awesome. So excited about this episode. You bring a different perspective. You know, we have a lot of brokers in the show, a lot of you know full-time syndicators covering different dimensions of a deal. But I think this is the first time we've talked you know, investor education or someone with that background, that role. So I'm excited to dig in a bit. I'd like to start and tee it up with, you know, if you get a new client or you have a, you know, maybe a leader, a contact, what does your goal setting process look like? What does your discovery process look like with a new client? Yeah. So, you know, for me, my background, you know, in this space, at first I came into the space, I had single family properties. I needed to solve a scaling portfolio for myself and my family so I could achieve financial freedom. And when I started to kind of like looking, you know, you know, we had 30 single family rentals and I was burning the candle at both ends five times in the middle. Yep. And I was like, we have to do more units with each transaction. And we started looking at multifamily real estate. And I'm like, do we want to go passive? Do we want to go active? I'm like, yeah. heck, I'm an overachiever. Let's do both at the same time. Yeah, right. But I quickly realized for me, I wasn't going to be the one that started the syndication firm because I didn't know what I did now. So I chose to go to the path where I inserted myself into an operating business and a firm that was already operating and, and the investor relations role. So I really got to get super down and dirty with learning how to actually you know, communicate with investors. Mm-hmm. And so my background before that was in public health and I was working in community pharmacy. Now, like somebody might go, how did you get from public health? Yeah, that's to, my next question. <laughs> like, how do these you know, skills over here translate into like being able to, you know, speak to a potential, you know, client or investor in multifamily? Well, it all boils down to sales. Now, for me, I was in public health, you know, education, community health and nutrition. That is a lot of like sales in, you know, trying to get people to change behavior. Mm. Here, the investors, I found to be a little bit easier because I didn't have to change the behavior. They were already coming to me wanting to do a behavior change. They just didn't know how to make it all happen. Mm -hmm. So for me, I saw myself, I inserted myself in the role as the guide, right? Like, okay, how do I meet you where you're at? How do I like understand what your goals are, what your risk tolerance is, and then help match you with the appropriate investment strategy that can help you achieve those goals. So that's my whole approach with, you know, actually holding those client conversations. Now, how do you vet somebody? Because that was the original question. 
is, you know, and I think that's an amazing term because when you are partnering with investors, a lot of syndicators or, you know, capital raisers are just trying to find money initially when they start their business, but they should be having that vetting conversation because you're going to be partners, general partner, limited partner, you're in a partnership for three, four, five, yeah, seven years, a long you time. need to know love, yeah. love and like each other. And it goes both ways. And so, you know, really, you know, sure, you know, we're looking for, I'm looking for a background in investing in real estate, you know, preferably or in business. Do they understand the terms? Mm-hmm. If I put a deal in front of them, can they actually like understand the deal? I'm looking for them to ask really great questions. You know, I don't want them relying on me and thinking that I am like a financial advisor in the process. I want them, you know, asking questions. It leads me to understand that they are taking some sort of element and control over their portfolio. And then from there, I'm helping them, you know, match them up with the right pieces of education so they can be really comfortable with the investment and just really understand the full investment. I like that. And start with a scenario. Maybe somebody comes in, they're really passionate about real estate. They've done some of their own smaller scale properties. They're not sure if they want to be hands-on as an active investor or a passive investor. What would that scenario look like? Well, so I guess, you know, they're usually, if they're already like hands-on in their investing and they're kind of kicking the tires Mm -hmm. on the passive side, there's some sort of pain point they're experiencing because if they were having an amazing time right. over here managing their own properties, they wouldn't they contact you. Deal flow <laughs> coming in, I'm not in the equation at all, yeah. right? Yeah. But you know, really trying to ask a series of questions like, you know, what do you like? What do you not like? Mm-hmm. And you know, I'll generally uncover, you know, with an active investor, two issues. One of two issues. Maybe they're over succeeding in their portfolio, and they just have capital that is, you know, sitting on the sidelines that they can't get deployed. Mm-hmm. Entree passive investing that can help you know continue to deploy their capital. They diversify into other type of asset classes, other operators, other markets, other type of deal strategies, and they don't have to be the expert. They don't even have to run it. They can stay focused on their core business of where they are actually like hitting home runs. Or two, they have an active portfolio and they're tired. They're like, I'm tired of you know, dealing with insurance claims or, you know, a boiler line that breaks in the middle of the night and it's freezing temperatures outside. I'm tired of all this. Like, get me out of this. I want to eventually unwind my active portfolio and go into passive real estate. Now we're trying to kind of help them find the right strategy that can help meet their goals because they've been in an element of control with that core real estate portfolio. Mm-hmm. But now they're going to be handy, unwinding that and handing that over to an operations team and giving up some of that day-to-day operational control. Yeah, they're great examples. And I would even add one that I come across quite regularly is, hey, maybe I enjoy doing it. Maybe I'm not burned out. I just don't have the time. Maybe I'm already managing 20, 30 properties. Maybe I'm running three businesses and I just, I don't have the time. I might enjoy it, but you you can only do so many things with your day, right? (laughs) That's me, right? Like, you know, we still have a lot of our core single family properties. I do, you know, have partnered on some multifamily deals. You know, so I've got those two things going. I'm adding in Airbnbs as another strategy to kind of diversify my portfolio and more of a lifestyle asset so we can enjoy them personally. Like, yeah. I don't have time to go look at a term rental right now. <laughs> and I don't blame you. And maybe you shouldn't, right? Maybe it's not the best use of your time anyway. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about risk tolerance. I mean, one of the questions I get asked often, I'm sure you do, is help me understand the risk associated, you know, before getting into an investment. What am I getting into? And I'm sure... 
you know, there's different levels of tolerance. Like business owners, for example, are usually more risk tolerant. They're used to that volatility, maybe month to month swings or how long a plan may take to unfold. You know, how are you uncovering an investor's risk tolerance and how are you responding to their questions around that? Yeah. So, you know, let's just talk about the general risk of real estate. You can lose all your capital. You can do that with your single family properties, right? You know, but generally that's not going to happen because the, the land has some sort of underlying value. You have insurance, you're going to carry operational reserves, maybe even CapEx reserves, right? To hopefully. Help hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Yes. The same thing applies to multifamily or, you know, some sort of passive investment. You're looking for an operations team that is knowledgeable in that space. I mean, they're not new. They're already been operating. They have the background and experience. They have the strategical advisor on board. They have the track record. They are, you know, conservatively underwriting the project. They are carrying operational reserves. They're carrying at CapEx reserves. They have the proper, you know, insured value on the property. They are vetting the market to where you're investing in a market that is in a growth position to really kind of help, you know, hedge all those bets. Because again, like I said, at the beginning of the day, the investor's concerned about losing all their capital. They're concerned about, you know, potentially their distribution being suspended or paused. Okay. Now, I don't know about you. I get asked all the time, like, have you ever had any investments go south? Mm -hmm. Well, that's a loaded question, right? Because, or not meet returns. Because until I exit the deal, I still have an opportunity as an operator to make the investment whole. So guess what? I get to say no to that until I exit the deal. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that can be really what the investor really is trying to get at is, am I going to always get my distribution every yeah. single month? Right. Because yeah. if they had their single family properties, you know, they have vacancies. They didn't get paid that month. Maybe mm-hmm. they had a water heater break. They didn't get paid that month. Yep. Right. And then you're looking for other sort of other risks that happen in, you know, competitive pressures. We see it also in single family investing. You know, maybe you have too many, a lot of units concentrated in one area and you have intra competition amongst your units or you're competing with other people in the market. We see that happen too. Same thing happens in passive investing as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, let's move on to kind of the getting over the fear of investing. Maybe a first time investor, what would you tell someone who's really excited about it, but just can't quite bring themselves to get over the line in their first deal or invest in their first passive deal? What would you tell that person? Well, I mean, again, I don't go to telling my natural inclination is to go to questions, right? You know, really kind of dive in and understand what the true obstacle is. But, you know, normally if somebody under, you know, the first question is, do you believe in real estate as an asset that can help you meet your goals, right? Do you believe in real estate? If they can check the box to yes, hey, man, we are going to have an amazing conversation. If they say, I don't believe in real estate, great. Let's point you in another direction. (laughs) I'll tell you, let me give you some information about real estate, but let's go over here and check out ATMs or something else over here. But if you believe in real estate as an underlying asset, what are your goals? Do you need cash flow? Do you need equity? Balance blend of both. Great. Where do they lie on that continuum? And then it's a matter of once they understand that they real estate, that they understand what their goals are. Now I'm just describing the features and advantages of benefit of what my product is and how that it's like, Hey, here you go. It can actually help you meet your goals. But, you know, really at first, you know, I guess I would follow that with another question. If you're going to pause and not do anything that go into real estate now, what is the question? What happens if you don't do anything? Mm-hmm. Are you okay with that? 
What's right the alternative, now, right? Yep. That's an, yeah, it's always an alternative not to do anything. The alternative these days is to leave your money in the bank. It's eroding away with inflation. Now, do you believe it's three, four, five percent? Do you believe it's 15%? Debatable. <laughs> so you've dabbled, and I love that kind of question, education approach makes a ton of sense. You know, you've dabbled in many different asset classes, multifamily, assisted living, single family rentals. What's your favorite asset class to invest in and why? Well, I have a lot of favorites. I like real estate in general. Now there's uncorrelated pieces in real estate and they all operate differently. Mm-hmm. So my goal for my personal portfolio is to, you know, you much like you would do in a mutual fund, you're going to have value stocks, you're going to have growth stocks, you're going to have some bonds, right? Like you're going to have a peppering of everything to help you weather different economic environments. I'm looking to create something like that in my own personal portfolio. So Now, I'm not looking to be the expert in all of those topics either. I'm looking for the expert. Now, if you had to say, you know, hand me, say, Whitney, okay, Mm -hmm. choose the one thing that you would invest in and like, why would you do it? Like, you know, it's not because it fits well in my portfolio, but things that I really love are like working on like little tiny home projects, to be honest. Okay, that's fair. They're just like, you know, I don't know. It just kind of taps into my creative side, you know. Well, and it's re- it's rewarding. It's hands-on. You can control a lot of it yourself. I mean, I can see that. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm feeling a housing need, you know, in my local community. And so I like doing that. But that's more of a self-serving type of things. The question, I take it two different ways, right? Like, what's good for my portfolio and the overall health of it? And then, like, what is just kind of fills my, like, passion, heart, and soul. So Really cool. I like that. So as we kind of get towards the end here, what are some of the common pitfalls to avoid for a new investor? What should they look out for? Wow. So I think where investors really kind of fall, you know, do themselves a disservice is they're chasing yield. Okay. Now we all want to have great return on our money. Okay. But we have to understand the first, you know, rule of conservative investing is capital preservation. Mm-hmm. I also look for other wealth generators like cash flow. Equity growth, be it natural or forced or tenant pay down. I look for tax benefits. I look for the use of leverage. But when we talk about like that chasing yield component, I think investors really kind of shoot themselves in the foot sometimes is because they might see a deal that's, you know, 15% cash on cash returns, but who's the operator, right? They go after the deal and they're chasing the yield so much that they forget that the actual the home run part of the investment is the operations team. You're betting on the jockey, not the horse. Yeah, I like that. That's a really simple way of putting it. It's easy to digest. And just to clarify, when you say specifically yield, you're just talking about my general return overall and only looking at that as a sole metric. Just clarify that. You know, majority of the people are looking for high preferred returns. Gotcha. Right? So they understand where the preferred return falls in the waterfall. And, you know, because why preferred returns is because it's tangible. It's the take on cash that I get in my pocket today. Right. Right. Now, where you should be taking into account the entire package of the deal and the return profile is just one component of it. Right. Gotcha. We've got the operations team, we've got the market, we've got the strategy, we've got the debt on the deal. All those things should be underwritten and taken into account. But a lot of people are like, I get investor emails all the time. They're like, I got $100,000 and I want an 8% preferred return. Where should I put my money? And I'm like, ooh, <laughs> okay. So let's ask some more questions. Let's dig in on this. 
so yeah, I mean, because you have, you know, IRR return, you have ARR return, like how long do you want your money invested? What's your time horizon? So those type of things. So generally look at the big picture. There's more than just one or two or three or four dimensions. You got to look at the broad spectrum of all the variables. I love it. So this has been really great. Thanks for you know an action-packed the last 20 minutes or so. For someone that wants to learn more, maybe go a little bit deeper into one category or another, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, you can reach out to me at PassiveInvestingWithWhitney.com. There you can sign up. You'll get some free information from me on how to get into your first or next passive investment. You'll also get my ebook whenever it's released, as well as you can schedule time with me directly and then see our deals, open deals at PassiveInvesting.com. Wow. Lots of lot of offers there. So take her up on that. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah. One-stop shop. (laughs) Awesome. Love it. Thanks so much for coming. Thanks for listening in with us for another episode of the Crushing Cashflow Podcast. We have a small favor to ask of all of our listeners. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Each subscription and rating will help us massively toward our goal of helping reach as many listeners as possible each week. Thank you very much once again for listening. We're thrilled to have you with us as part of this journey. And we can't wait to share more of these stories with you. Stay tuned for much more to come.